I, I do like the coffee drink a thumbs up. I, I will do one of those as well. Yeah. It's cool. That it's, is. It's, it's, it's the new uh, walking away from explosions, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a... That that's a meme in some way. I gotta find some way to to yeah, meme that. Sure. Um, very cool. All right. Well then, let's uh let's just jump. Let let's just jump right in. Let's go jump in. Right in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say we're gonna jump right in later, but I guess uh I don't know. I don't know, man. Autobots, transform and roll out. Well, hey, welcome back for another thrilling season of Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers. That is right, my friends. We have returned for season two of our podcast as we discuss season two of Transformers Animated from two different points of view. Uh, my name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers Animated season two before this. I've seen season one now, but uh, <laughs> now I, the whole gimmick of our show, if you're just joining us, is it, it is from two different points of view. We, uh, I have never watched Transformers Animated before this project, and so I'm a first-time watcher. But uh, rather than uh, listening to an infant stumble and bumble through uncharted territory, I'm not going through this journey unguided. Joining me, as always, the Spark Soul brother, Transformers superfan, Transformers animated serial rewatcher, its author, my friend, Michael Andrews. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Mike. God, that's a heck of an intro. Appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I'm here. I'm the serial rewatcher. I've 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 watched season two probably more than any of the other seasons. Um, and it's not for maybe uh, I definitely love season two more than season one. Um, season three for years, you couldn't like find it anywhere, get it on disc, anything like that. So season two was like if I needed a Transformers animated fix, that's where I went to over and over. I got you. And, and it's interesting because now, now that we've been in the off season for uh, the holidays, which we're going to talk about uh, in, in just a sec here, but the, the folks that I've interacted with have said, oh man, season two is where it really starts to heat up. For everybody that told me, hey, Mike, you'd be really into TFA. And I was, I mean, it's like, you know, once we started doing the podcast and I started watching the episodes, it's like, I, um, have an appreciation for what I missed. And I'm glad that folks were so uh, passionate and recommending it to me. And, and it's so fascinating too, to, to kind of spin off on a different tangent. We're kind of like accidentally in the middle of like a, a TFA Renaissance, like folks are like reappraising it, refining it, it's uh, it's kicking ass in uh, in uh, Sixo's best Transformers uh, TV series poll. Um, you know the new toys we'll talk about. It's it, it it is an interesting time for us to have uh, been podcasting about Transformers animated enough to now we've kind of got our feet under us a little bit, and I feel like we're kind of like positioned like in the middle of this. It's like 
you know, we didn't predict that any of this was going to happen. It was oh. just we, we we just wanted to talk about TFA. At- well, no. And in, and in fact, we, uh, you know, we kicked this idea around for like four years before we actually got going. And it's almost uh, working to our advantage now. My point of that was is like, yeah, I now that we've met the characters and like the scene has been set here's where it really starts to cook at least from from what my understanding is but before we kind of get into uh the the meat and potatoes of the episode today uh you know we will be talking about you know season two episode one the elite guard in just a moment but like you know it's been since what late october since we've done an episode and you know we had a yeah. you know a winter break holiday hiatus uh off season type of thing i give folks an opportunity to you know catch up and you know re-listen to all their favorite episodes and all that but um we've kind of busy doing doing stuff yeah. and things and and so uh we thought we would kick off this uh this first movement of the show is kind of like you know first day of school back from winter break type of thing you know it's like you know uh, uh, me and michael andrews have have kind of chatted a couple times over the over the last few months but like this is the first time we've really been like under the dome as uh as it is now like really trying to do proper 2m2f so yeah yeah it's like we've it's like we've sent each other texts from our hometown bars while we're hanging out with our townie friends. Uh, we cross each other's minds a couple times, but uh, now we're really back. We're, you know, we're back in school. We're back in the halls. We're back in the dorms. Our textbooks are purchased. We're bumping into each other at the quad. This is, this is uh, back in session here. Yeah, I, I'm back from my zany European vacation or some right, such. Right. Like Were you found, <laughs> did you find yourself, Mike? Did you find yourself uh, in those few weeks? <laughs> The, the search continues, but um, so let's uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about kind of like you know uh, again that when it's the first day of class, it's like you know tell us about what you did on your winter vacation. <laughs> so yeah, um, because I, I I know Michael Andrews, you got like no shortage of cool stuff. What oh what you been up to over over these uh, past couple months, the holidays and whatnots. Yeah, well, I was going to say it was a good time for us to take a hiatus, I think, because uh, I was just windows to the walls busy every second of the last like two months. Uh, I don't know how I would have fit uh, any sort of uh, conscious podcasting into that time period, <laughs> uh, even though we did. Actually, we did find a little time to do it, but uh, it's absolutely true. Yeah. So I but I had a great I had a great holiday. I mean, it's such a great time for me because it goes Halloween, my birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's it's the quadruple whammy where it's some people's triple whammy. Uh, so I, I have a great time. So lots of uh, friends and family that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, Christmas is traditionally the time where I dive back into Star Wars, uh, especially heavily. I don't know. I think it's because the sequel trilogy came out. It started to feel like a Christmas movie to me, kind of the way some people feel, feel about Harry Potter. So I really, I really enjoy doing that. I'm doing a really like big rewatch of the series where I'm taking a break between episode two and three to watch a bunch of the Clone Wars, read some of the novels. So I'm not watching it in any specific schedule, but just trying to fit as much media uh, connective media in between the movies as I go. I want to get a real expansive rewatch. Um, so that's been a lot of fun, uh, digging out all my old Star Wars toys, kind of finding a new appreciation for those. And Christmas is also a time where I get into uh, Gundam quite a bit. Um, there's oh. a, 
Yeah, I started like like a decade or more ago. I started this little thing I called a very Gundam Christmas. And it started just because usually I had to work on Christmas. So I would like pop in a, a Gundam series and watch that. And then it kind of evolved into well, I have a little more free time on Christmas. So I started to build like a Gundam model kit while I was also watching uh, Gundam. And there's there's actually a Gundam series that takes place on Christmas. It's a six episode kind of short series. Um, it takes place like the couple days before Christmas and ends on Christmas day. So that's kind of the one my go-to to watch that. I guess where, uh, if I can make a little Transformers connection to that. Sure, please. So I, that kind of kicked off. Like I really got into anime, uh, a little bit more kind of watching, rewatching some of my old favorites, checking out some new stuff, um, from that very Gundam Christmas. And, uh, it, it it evoked so much of Transformers animated for me. Like, I guess mm. when I think of Transformers animated, at least up until this project, I always thought of it as sort of like the Looney Tunes version of Transformers, right? In my head, it was very slapsticky and all this stuff. Um, but really, I'm starting to see more and more how much they're borrowing from anime. Uh, specifically, uh, I watched uh, Robotech, the new generation, which is all about transforming motorcycle armor. And then I watched this amazing one called Megazone 23. Uh, didn't know it existed, but it's like so beautiful. And it's also about a futuristic motorcycle. And I'm just seeing so much of like Prowl, uh, the animation of Prowl driving around in his uh, motorcycle mode that, that I'm seeing in this anime. And it's like, oh, I, the artists really are taking cues from from a lot of those things. Uh, so that was kind of a that's kind of a big thrill for me to to uh, see that. I, Mikey, are you into anime at all? I mean, where's your... I, I really am not. It's just like I I mean, I I had I had the same brief phase that a lot of folks my age did in high school in the late 90s back when it was we unfortunately called it Japanimation, that kind sure. of thing. So, I mean, it's like so I I've I, I've seen a lot of classics like, you know, I, I've seen Akira. Um, you know, I've seen uh, like, like, th like there was a phase where it's like, you know, it's like I, we made like a vampire hunter D reference, uh, not right, too long right. ago in one of our episodes, uh, I saw the always uh troublematic Ninja scroll. I had a, uh, I had, I had a buddy of mine who was actually kind of like the, the, the kind of the, the lead person, the gateway person on it. Um, like, oh, that's a great one. Is it though? Well, it's a great one for your gateway. I mean. Uh, oh, gotcha. Because everyone's I, gateway. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, there, there, there's some unpleasant stuff in there uh, retroactively, oh, sure. but, but, but like, but yeah, it, and it was kind of interesting because, like, even in that time, I found my taste kind of starting to drift because, like, I, I seemed to be a little more into kind of like the action comedy type of stuff. Like, I, I was like into like uh, uh, Pat Labor Tank Police for for a hot minute. You know, oh, sure. uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, but yeah, so somewhere along the way, I just kind of like drifted and didn't really get into it. My, uh, my buddy got into like super into Dragon Ball, like before it was, uh, imported into into the u.s like he had like you know like all these like oh, dragon yeah. ball z posters and like you know it's like oh dragon ball gt what the hell is that oh it's japanese you know don't, you know don't yeah. worry about it i'm like all right what what whatever um <laughs> so but yeah it just it, it didn't it didn't necessarily stick with me and resonate with me and i think it was just because i i just kind of 
grew into other passions. I just never really had a had a I didn't have a guide to get me back into uh, yes. it. Yeah. And I and I did. I was I was very lucky for that. Uh and you know, I ended up going to some conventions and stuff like that and uh kind of kind of had my eyes open to that world. So it's always been a little bit of I th- I think maybe where I was going with this though is just uh that I I I f- at first felt guilty that I was cheating on Transformers Animated a little bit this holiday season with some Gundam, <laughs> uh, and ended up, you know, thinking about Transformers Animated so much uh, is very is kind of cool to see. Um, what What about you? I mean, I guess Christmas wise, did you do anything special? Did you get any good presents, good goodies? Uh, it was a, it was a lot of family stuff. We uh we kind of have like a, a four Christmases situation, kind of kind of similar to that. Uh, Vince Vaughn Reese Witherspoon movie that nobody seems to remember, oh, sure. but 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 me and my wife watch like every other year because it it, it resonates uh, in, in a lot of big bad ways. But like, is that your? Um, uh, if I can interrupt quick, is that your go to Christmas movie? I mean, is, or is that like one of them? It it's certainly high in the rotation for sure. 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 Um, I don't I don't know what the the top is actually. If you were to ask my wife, what she would say is that the uh, the top for her is aggressively not Christmas movies, uh, Serendipity and The Family Man. Oh, she wow. likes both okay. of those. And they are as much Christmas movies as White Christmas is a Christmas movie. Sure. Like, now what I mean is like, you know, so the holidays have long since passed. You know, we're, we're like, you know, deep January at, at this point. But like, you know, I, I have grown weary of the postmodern, uh, like Die Hard as a Christmas movie type thing, or not only is it, see, we've already transcended Die Hard as a Christmas movie to say like Die Hard is the best Christmas movie, and it's like fine. I, I, you know, if like <laughs> the problem with that kind of discourse is that it has now shaken traditional Christmas movies out of the canon. Let me explain. So like. When, like, you talk to, like, these Die Hard as a Christmas movie evangelicals, they'll say it's like, well, Die Hard absolutely is a Christmas movie because um, it absolutely needs Christmas to operate. If uh, they are not having the Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza and John McClane flies across the country to go to the Christmas party, then Die Hard doesn't happen. You know, hmm. and and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. But the problem is, is once you start applying to applying that logic to actual Christmas movies, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Is is Christmas a strong component of it? Arguably because they they, they travel for the holidays, not necessarily Christmas itself. Like I think the movie ends on Christmas Day, I think. Oh, I don't yeah. remember it. it it's been a while yeah. since I've seen it, but like it's one of those things where I, I mentioned White Christmas. Like, it's not Christmas until the the end of the end of that movie. Oh yeah, there's no whole lot of no movie happens. Yeah, no, no. So you could argue like so. So my my version of it is like, oh yeah, okay. So uh, Die Hard is a Christmas co- movie. Well, guess what? White Christmas isn't a Christmas movie because you don't need Christmas for the story of White Christmas to happen. Right. Right. That movie could have been called Winter Soldiers. 
Uh, I think that would have been a Oh my god, thing. yes! I love that. <laughs> oh man. And and you just uh you you recast Chris Evans as uh Bing Crosby and Sebastian Stan as uh as Danny Kay. <laughs> you have your next MCU Christmas special, right? There. Oh my god, I I actually really like that. I, uh, I I really like that. And and um, speaking of White Christmas, we we had the opportunity to uh, participate in a White Christmas themed question, question. mark <laughs> <laughs> White Christmas themed adjacent uh, podcast over over the holiday. Uh, uh, before I get back to like some of my holiday stories, and um, do do we want to talk about our our adventures with our friends, the Autopod Decepticast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our couple adventures out there because we also kind of did another Christmas podcast too. If if you want to get technical. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, APDC, uh, the the holiday special. The, is it now infamous? I don't know. I haven't checked in lately. The now if infamous latest uh, holiday special from APDC. Uh, Mike and I were part of it. Um, is is a lovely time, and it was yeah, it was vaguely white Christmas themed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there was so white people and Christmas. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, wishing you all a merry Optimus or. I, I still don't get that joke, and I've listened to that episode twice. Anyway, so so uh, so Autopod Decepticast is a uh, G one recap podcast. They're they're just now transitioning into Beast Wars. The Beast Wars have begun for our oh. friends, the Autopod Decepticast, and basically our show is kind of like a tangential spiritual spinoff, kind of like at at the very least we're kind of in the same cinematic universe because like it's, it, it's a lot of the same players. And in fact, so the original Genesis for two Mike's too furious comes from a, a, some beef we had with our friends at the APDC <laughs> back, back in the day. Yes. So anyway, I just wanted to lay that, that track. So like, you know, both of us, both me and Michael Andrews have, have been on their show um, a number of times now and we were, uh, brought in to uh, participate in their Christmas special, which also doubled as a uh, kind of brief overview, uh, the Japanese sequel trilogy uh, for G1, that being uh, the Headmasters, uh, Super God Master Force, uh, Victory, and they, uh, they uh, talked about Zone as well, because yeah. it's all part of uh, Japanese G1. I I kind of pushed my way into that episode because really all I wanted to talk about was the the climactic final battle between Soundwave and Blaster in episode two of the Headmasters, <laughs> yeah. and then ended up sticking around for like an hour uh, because I I had realized that through being a fan and listener of Transformers University, hosted by my friend uh, Anthony Bercali, who runs uh, TFU.info. I think I accidentally had a larger uh, working understanding of the headmasters than anybody else. But the problem was like, I didn't do any of that prep to actually speak to that. So I'm just kind of <laughs> like, um, yeah, six shot is a ninja consultant. Does he, but is he a ninja <laughs> that consults or is he a consulter of ninjas? You know, it's like, so I'm trying to right. trying to do something with that. Uh, but Michael Andrews, I, I, meant to ask you this at the time um so i'll ask you now because like i ended up talking to to aunt later on my show 
how familiar were you with uh with the headmasters i i have a very specific question i'll i'll uh um i want to ask you though sure i mean not as familiar as uh Super, uh, Super God Megaforce, uh, sorry, Super God Master Force, but uh, I watched that show too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, both good. No, uh, yeah, but I'm uh, familiar, owned it, own it, watch it. Yeah, have toys from it. Okay, okay, okay. Because like I, I think I misunderstood something in the in the cadence of the discussion because like as Aaron is going over some of the broad stroke plot points. Aaron had mentioned like, oh yeah, an Ultra Magnus dies in an episode. And I'm like, yes, in the famous episode, Ultra Magnus dies, exclamation <laughs> point. And I remember my dude, Michael Andrews is like, almost had this, this like, like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so I, I must've misin misinterpreted that because it sounded like you were, you were familiar like that with that. And it wasn't new information. Like I thought it was. Oh, no, actually, that that one did get me. Uh, you know, I wasn't when I watched that show originally, I wasn't as into Ultra Magnus as I am now. So that probably mm. didn't hit as hard as it did. And then, yeah, it was sort of a like a reawakening situation. Uh, yeah, yeah. It really got me. But yeah, maybe, maybe that's why I sort of have an aversion now to Headmasters. Uh, my, my favorite character dies in it. So forget it. Yeah. And really, yeah, like, they mean so it's like uh, uh, movie soundtracks or like movie scores where it gives away the what, the what happens in the plot. So you just run down the episode list. You don't have to worry about watching it. Exactly. But like so I, I ended up hanging out for like a, a lopsided amount of time. Like I, I, I thought I was going to do some like, you know, angsty cigarette smoking bumblebee like I, like I've done in the past. But uh, I know uh, that, you, that you you took like an hour to describe that fight uh, with, with Soundwave and Blaster. And then I had to cram the entirety of Super God Megaforce into into the 10 minutes that I had left. Yeah, well, and, and, and so I, well, I apologize for that. I didn't mean to uh, encroach on the <laughs> time for the senator from Naboo, but, um, but, but that, but that was something I wanted to mention that I think our audience would be very interested in, in to check out that episode because I wasn't there on the call. I had dropped off, but what I didn't know until I listened to the published episode is that you and Caleb from APDC kind of go down like the, this, this eloquent rundown of what Super God Master Force was, a series that I haven't watched and wasn't very familiar with, but like I was, I was picking up on what you guys were putting down so much to the point, and I think I posted this uh, somewhere, but it's like I, I really kind of want like a two mics, two furious style show where it's you and Caleb uh, talking about Super God Master Force. Uh, if oh, not, at least, great. you know, episode by episode, but at least something where um, it, it's something a little more in depth to give a little more time than than what you guys had during uh, that episode, because it sounded like he's super into it. I know you're super into it. You go back, uh, go to bat for it um, often. Yeah. Um, well, so really I, I was... I, I was really digging on the uh, the passion that you guys brought to the conversation. It was it was a terrific listen. Well, thank you. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I each one of them kind of took a different series to sort of summarize, and I don't know if if they knew it at the time that Caleb, you know, if there's forethought put into why Caleb did Master Force, but actually it makes a ton of sense because he has a you know a, a rich background in Japanese history, and and of all those series. Uh, I would say that one is is the most rooted in some of these like 
um, Japanese uh, religious and spiritual beliefs, and even just the most like traditional uh, anime series of all of them. Um, so it really was the perfect fit for him. And I think as he dives in even more, he'd be, you know, there's a lot more for meat on that bone to steal your phrase. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Until I realized that there's like 56 episodes. I'm like, oh, good gravy. <laughs> You're lucky then. You're lucky. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but speaking of our our time with uh, the APDC and and Christmas um, um, uh, adjacency, you uh, you uh, you wanted to talk about an interaction you had with uh, oh. with Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah. So after after we recorded that, uh, I received a mysterious box in the mail um and was like what is this and i i didn't know i had nothing on order it was it was very much a shock and and then i saw the apdc logo on it and i was like oh boy what do we have here and it turns out our friend aaron who had mentioned this i think maybe on uh our birthday live my birthday live stream mm -hmm. um but he he had a uh transformers animated star scream that uh was kind of uh, gathering dust and storage so he he sent me that. I'm showing it on screen here, which is exciting for you audio listeners. But uh, yeah, it's 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 the original uh, vintage now, I guess, Starscream and and all in all glory. So yeah, thank thank you, Aaron. Oh, that's gorgeous. Then that, that is a hefty figure. Is that a Voyager class figure? I don't, you know, I don't know what it was considered then. But it, you're right; it does have some heft. It's really He's like big. solid. Yeah. And he's going to tower on my shelf. Uh, and I, I kind of was joking with Aaron when I, you know, messaged him to thank him that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have room for this on my animated shelf. I'm going to have to really squeeze it in. But I do like that I got picked over you to receive it. So I am yes. I'm ecstatic about that. Uh, but no, it's a beautiful figure. It's one I didn't have. Uh, my com collection just got a little more complete. Oh, even better. That that is amazing. I uh I love that story for you. Yeah, no uh no gifts from the APDC for for your boy Mike Seibert this year. That that's fine. It's a lump fine. of APDC I, I, coal for Mike Seibert. But I did get a terrific gift from you, Michael Andrews. Very uh, uh very thoughtful. Uh I, I wish I had brought it with me to put it up on camera. I almost did and I, I forgot at the last minute. Uh been uh, distracted lately, but I'm going to try to uh, describe this sound wave figure, but then I'll ask you what the heck it actually is. Because like, <laughs> basically weird. like, it's, it's very weird, but it's very awesome. I, I love him. Um, it's a, it, it appears to be like, like a, a cyberverse sound wave, but he's basically got a, a hard plastic body and these cardboard cutouts that you can, you punch out of the, uh, the perforation, and then you put on his arms and legs, and he has one swappable arm that's uh, that that's laser beak on 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 his perch on his wrist. So it's kind of awkward in that like he's got a plastic torso body, like head and torso, but then these these cardboard cutout arms. So it has kind of like this weird like paper doll feel to him. Yeah. And you can insert like different facial features too. Like there's a little slot for like giving him different expressions, which is funny on Soundwave, especially. That and that that is the thing I love about it because like it's uh there he has four different faces and all they are is just different scrunchies for like his his visor. It's like he's got like a surprised one, he's got a mad one, he's got a sad one. 
very, very funny. So it's like I'll sit at my desk at home and I'll I'll, I'll swap the uh, the faces out because it's just like a cardboard slot where you you pull this uh, um, cardboard out and put it back in, yeah. and it just. Um, it, it hit at the right time, and I I thought it was because uh, uh, obviously I'm a sound wave guy, but I you know I I thought it was uh, 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 very thoughtful, and I'm uh, uh, very grateful for the gift. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, you're welcome. I you know I've been holding on to it for a couple years till uh, I had a good reason to send it to you. Not that I need one, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but but I I kind of uh, I actually have one too. It's sort of a two turtle doves type gift. Uh, so oh. I have one also, and. I kind of thought of it twofold. One, I think it's a pretty unique uh, Soundwave collectible, so I thought it would fit right in your collection. And the other one, I thought it might be good at your work desk. You can sort of swap in uh, the different expressions. If you want to show your coworkers what mood you're in, uh, you can just swap that in quick. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm glad you like it. I think it's really cool. It's actually a uh, Wendy's, whatever their Happy Meal is, uh, toy. And I never go to Wendy's. And one time I went, and that was in the in the box, and uh, we got two of them. So, Oh, my gosh. That's, that's amazing. Uh, speaking of your uh, reemerging Star Wars phase, you also uh, uh, sent me a, a, a sheet of stickers. Um, of various yeah. Star Wars characters, and I don't know if this is a coincidence or or conscientiousness, but uh, one of the stickers is indeed my dude Boba Fett. So I I was very yeah. uh, grateful for that. So I thought that, I, that, I thought that actually was, was conscious. There were you know it's like one of those sticker sheets where there's several characters and they're kind of in random order. And I was like, I want to get the section that has the at least has the head for Mikey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was uh, uh, really thoughtful and, uh, and, and really sweet. Um, you, you had asked me earlier about uh, Christmas gifts. And like I said, you know, we, we kind of like do this. Uh, uh, my wife and I, we kind of go to a few different Christmases. But like at, uh, at my aunt and uncle's place, which is kind of like the, the de facto my family because like my uh, uh, my mom lives in Alaska my dad lives uh, very far north from me he lives like you know three four miles away uh, three four hours away good lord um, uh, anyway he, he lives yeah it's like well shit if he lives that close why aren't you spending yeah, Christmas like, with it it's like well lots yeah, of no, he, about your relationship with him yeah he, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a, that's a different conversation for that's a different day, podcast. my friend. <laughs> but you're not you're not entirely wrong. Um, but no, uh, so my aunt and uncle, like, um, they're they're kind of like stand-ins for for my folks from time to time. Like, you know, some of my earliest memories of hanging out with my aunt are always like, um, speaking of Star Wars, like she took me to go see the Return of the Jedi like four different times in the movie theater, and oh, like amazing. we would like we would like we would like you know, like go to the store and she would like buy me the Kenner action figures. And, um, through the entirety of my life, um, she, uh, she always brings the heat, um, uh, at Christmas time. Uh, she was in on the, uh, now infamous story of my G1 Fortress Maximus. So it's oh, that, yeah. that, so that, that kind of caliber. So it's, uh, we go up there Christmas day, Christmas morning, and, um, you know, we're on wrapping stuff and like, she's gotten her whole family in on, on, uh, whatever I'm into. And it's like over the last, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years, maybe more. It's like, uh, the family has locked in on that Boba Fett is my dude. 
So it's like, so um, the, the silent deal I've made with my family is like, stay away from action figures because like I will buy what I want and not buy what I don't want. But uh, tchotchkes go nuts because I don't necessarily buy myself a lot of Boba Fett tchotchkes. Um, so that's usually I come home with Santa's bag full of like uh, Boba Fett thermoses and puzzles and keychains and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this went very similar. Like, like my cousin got me like a book of Boba Fett puzzle. Uh, my other cousin got, got me a t-shirt, um, that, that kind of thing. But cool. like, it's, uh, I'm glad I'm telling this story now because I, I don't know where else I would tell it, but like, you know, I've told the Fortress Maximus story where it's like, you know, you know, I, it was, it was like one of the last presents. It was the biggest one. I thought it was a Nintendo and um so all, christmas is basically over and my aunt's like well we uh we got you something and she goes to the other room and then pushes across the floor this giant box that looks like either a nintendo action set or a g1 fortress maximus i mean it's like this scale of large box yeah but um, so I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this? It's like, well, just just open it up and we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about it later. And I uh, I open it up and I I see like this flash of like Boba Fett colors, and I'm just like, what is this? And I like for the first time I could think of in my adult life. Um, I I am mowing through a Christmas wrap present with uh enthusiasm and surprise that i probably haven't felt since i was a child i'm just like what is this and it's like you know i start seeing a little more um and just like i'm like no 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 i my aunt and her family had gotten me it's a um it's a giant funko pop of boba fett Whoa. And when I went, but when I say giant, I mean like actually giant. This thing is 18 inches tall and wow. weighs several pounds. Like, I don't know how GameStop shipped it to him because, like, <laughs> it comes in this giant, like, double wrapped corrugated cardboard box. Yeah. Um, and it's the size and scale of something that you would see either at like Funko headquarters in Everett or in like a high-end collectible shop that's just like a display item. It doesn't look like a retail item. It looks like, I mean, because yeah. I mean, th this thing is huge. It, it, it's a small child. So yeah. <laughs> I get this thing out of the box and instantly I Lion King him. I'm just like, you know, holding by his legs. I'm like, behold, my son, um, oh, behold, awesome. my, my, my new child. And my cousin was like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get like a baby Bjorn for him and just like take him around. And, uh, my other cousin's like, yeah, you know, get, get like a stroller. And, you know, we, we've seen folks like, at, like TF cons at conventions have like, Haslab Unicron in a in a in a stroller. Yeah, he's that he's that big. In oh, fact, wow. with with like the Funko hel helmet, the the giant bobblehead, um, I would say it's actually bigger. It, it like takes up more space than Haslab Unicron. This th this thing is wow. like just massive, massive. 
Um, so it just like I I immediately felt like I was like 12 years old again. It just it, it just really, really blew me away. Um oh, cool. but but the the funny the 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 story that that the family told after I I unwrapped it is earlier in the in uh, the holiday season, my aunt reaches out to my wife and says, does Mike have this? And it's funny, too, because uh, my wife, she's like, <laughs> she's like, hey, do you have this? And I just, you know, she flips the flips her laptop around. I see she's on the GameStop website and I see that it's a a, a Funko Boba Fett. I was like, you know what? I, I have a few different Funko Boba Fetts and I, I tell her about all the different ones. She, you know, starts to glaze over it a bit. I'm like, well, the point being is I don't have that one. Um, and she's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, I let it sit for a sec. I take a sip of my coffee and I'm like, if my aunt is asking, tell her to not pay retail for that. Uh, because, because like, like a lot of like, um, Funko stuff has been going on clearance. Like, like there, there was a time where you could get Funko Unicron for f five bucks. No, no, it was eight ninety nine. It was eight ninety nine. Um, yeah. And that was like, like a $50 mega Funko pop thing. So I thought perhaps that it was that size. Like I have, I have a mega Funko Pop of uh, Soundwave. I, I'm not a huge Funko guy. I, I'm really sure. not. But but I have a few of my characters. Like a couple different folks have gifted me Funko Soundwave. I have a bunch of Boba Fetts, and that's really about it. But I got on clearance a couple years ago the the Funko Soundwave that is impressive. He's maybe like eight nine inches tall. He's big, oh, wow. but he's, he's not, he's not massive. I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of him and, and uh, show him. Yeah. So, so I'm going to see the scale of it all. Get a couple in there of different sizes. You know what? I, I could, I could probably actually do that. Cause I think I've got enough of, of each to where I can, uh, Hey, that, that, that's some good content for the two M two F, uh, yeah, uh there socials there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'll snap a couple pics of, uh, of my Funko family. Uh, but anyway, so that's what I thought it was. And that's what everybody else thought it was. Nobody knew how big this thing was oh. <laughs> until it arrived. So this thing of like the like the uh, mail carrier guy brings it in like on a hand truck. And my aunt's like, the fuck is this? Because like it was in a separate shipper box. And it's oh. like so so her and my my uncle open it. It's like oh my God, this is that thing that we got, Mike, what the hell do we do with this? And it's like, well, fuck, just, well, just wrap it. Cause like the box is too big to fit under the tree. That that's yeah. why it was in a different room. And it's like, oh, so it was, I, I, I like that story only because it's one of those things where it was a surprise for everybody. Yeah. Well, and what a great, like, like, you know, bookend to, to like you were saying, your Metroplex toy, like and yeah. it's, and it wasn't even sort of plotted that way, but it ended up organically uh, happening. That's, you know, we have this extra present that you don't even know what it is. It's so huge. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful story. You know, that was like so big and so massive and so expensive that I didn't think to ask for it. And, and this, this Funko Boba Fett is kind of like on that same level. It's like, I would never buy that for myself and I would never ask anybody to buy it for me. But 
God damn, am I grateful that I got it. He is so cool. Oh, it is so cool. Good. Good <laughs> but, Christmas. Good Christmas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, speaking of good Christmas, that uh that that wasn't the end of the uh uh the two mics two furious road show. Uh uh Christmas Day, uh to coincide with uh the release of the movie of uh, we uh we had the opportunity to hang out with our good friend Mike B, good old uh, uh TFG one Mike. Uh, yeah. y- you want you want to talk about our uh our our odyssey our the end of our Christmas odyssey? I guess. Like I guess we I didn't realize yeah how much we actually did until this moment, but uh, but yeah I think one of the things that we've always had in common uh was was the movie Paycheck, uh the Ben Affleck joint from from the two thousandsies and. Mm-hmm. We we found out through this show that uh, Mike B, aka uh, Mike Three, in a lot of ways, yeah, um, was also into the show, and he I think he he has this this show is sort of like movies from that era, right? Or like he's trying to do some sort of like anniversary release, uh, and and paycheck happened to come out on Christmas Day, which I that was an unlocked memory. I think I yeah. saw it probably opening night or very close to, but I had no recollection. It was Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we got on that to talk about it. And I, and it was cool because like, uh, you know, it was a round table of, of guys that liked the movie paycheck. And I didn't think there was three people in the entire world that liked paycheck until that night. So that was very exciting for me. No, you know, no, no ironic, no, no talking no. shit about it. Actual love for the, for the movie. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun movie. And I think one of the things I said during that episode and when we were on with our uh, APDC friends as well is it's kind of like a a forgotten gem. You know, it's kind of like a almost kind of like a forgotten treasure type of thing. It's yeah. like because like, you know, it, it's a movie that has been largely forgotten about. You know, it's it's director John Woo's last American movie before last year's silent night which we uh, right. actually talked about with uh, the APDC guys a little bit as well but like um it's the end of the same year that sees both Ben Affleck as Daredevil and Uma Thurman in Kill Bill Volume 1 and it's like that yeah. that's kind of the follow up to both of those movies and it's this weird John Woo, Philip K. Dick, uh, cyberpunk thriller uh, type of thing about a guy that does reverse engineering. I I literally just explained the plot to a friend of mine at work uh, last Friday, and he's like, "That's what that movie is about." Yeah, and I'm it's, like, it's "Oh a yeah, reverse engineering porn." If that if that's a subgenre of <laughs> <laughs> movies, yeah, because because I, I I made something uh, made some joke about uh, we were talking about reverse engineering. I'm like, "Oh yeah," and they and then they'll. Uh, wipe your memory at the end of it and he's like what i'm like paycheck bro he's like that's what that movie's about i'm like yeah 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 ben affleck invents a doomsday machine and and then uh uh you know runs afoul of the wrong people and aaron Eckhart is in it and he's like what is this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i actually you know just yesterday too i got the uh notice from the library that uh, the audiobook of Paycheck came in. So I'm finally, oh. after all these years, I'm going to listen to the original Philip K. Dick uh, audiobook version of of the story that inspired the movie. So very excited to dive into that. Nice. Very cool. Well, well, keep me posted because like that that was some of the things that we discussed at the time also is is our relationship to the pros of uh, Philip K. Dick as well. So I, yeah. I wish you the best of luck, my friend, in that yes, in that adventure. <laughs> 
Um, so at, at this at this point in the conversation, we've uh, I, I know it was uh, again kind of like a lot to kind of download. We, we uh, had some from, unpacking to do for sure. Had some unpacking. We didn't even talk about uh, Michael Andrews' uncontrollable birthday live stream that we did back at the beginning of November. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I, let's just let's just have it be one of those mysterious things that's out on the internet somewhere that my coworkers <laughs> hopefully never find. It was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a. Well, let's just put it this way: there was a hoot and a half. And for uh, fans of Two Mics Two Furious, the, there's there's some goodies in there. We talk about like some of our uh, favorite bits, and we do like a a lengthy discussion about uh, some of our favorite human supervillains. So it's it, it's not without merit for uh, Too Much Too Furious fans, but really it is just a lot of us just like just hanging out. And I, I remember there there is a large swath of it where I am uh, uh, agonizing over uh, what color a a car I was shopping for is. Sold out from under me <laughs> the following the day with that. Uh, I, I really did, and I'm because we spent so much time on that but uh yeah for a car that ultimately sold and not even close to what i ended up getting um i blame you for uh how uh inebriated i got during that live stream because uh i was just sort of sipping my way through that car story and uh <laughs> you know pounded a few <laughs> yeah and, and like during Based the video there, later <laughs> there, there, there is some like visible sipping and that's pretty funny um, you still talking about that car color <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one he's not even going to buy. It's like it is a, it was a real Laurel Yanny type of thing. You know, like, you know, what, what, what color, uh, you know, what color is the dress situation that, that, that kind of thing. Well, and it wasn't even you necessarily driving that conversation. Everyone else was as baffled by it as you were. So, I mean, yeah, there was was definitely precedence for it. I'm glad I was able to seed my time a little, my birthday time, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it did crack me up too, because like, um, you know, I don't know if it's like a, a, a Barbara Streisand Mandela effect or whatever, but it's like, so when we, uh, jumped on with, uh, the APDC gang and, um, they, they were asking me, I, I was in a little bit of a sour mood and it's just like, well, you know, what, what are you guys doing for Christmas? Well, we're traveling. Well, what, uh, well, what'd you buy your wife? Nothing. We, we don't, we don't exchange gifts. And she's like, so, well, was she getting you? Oh, she bought me a car. And it was this whole thing. Aaron was like, I didn't know about any of that. I was like, I'm like, you were on the Michael Andrews uncontrollable birthday live stream where we spent 40 minutes talking about my vehicle woes, which are now completely resolved. I have a, I have a new car now and I love it. Yeah, I so. the, I remember it like insert the the scene from old school when uh, Will Ferrell's waxing about the color of potential women's underwear. Uh, oh sure, of, yes, some cool color I never heard of. Uh, <laughs> that's what that's what plays in my head when I think about that conversation. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's uh, some of how we spent our uh, winter vacation. Um, I promise we're gonna talk about. Uh, season two, episode one, the elite guard eventually, yeah, but let's remember why we're here. The reason for this season, uh, transformers animated, uh, we thought we would kind of, uh, remix the order a little bit. Usually we do listener feedback at the end of the episode, but I thought since it's been so long and in the interest of kind of like catching everybody up 
with kind of like season one, before we get into season two, I would like to take this opportunity to dip in the mailbag early and share some uh, terrific listener feedback on our dual finale episode, uh, Micatron Rising uh, Part 1 and Part 2, recapping the epic two-part season finale of Season 1 of Transformers Animated, of course, uh, that being uh, Megatron Rising. So um, as a reminder, you can hit us up on social medias, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, I I heard it on the X, X going to give it to you, whatever. Uh, You can also send us an email to Mike's2Furious at gmail.com. I don't think anybody has actually done that ever. I don't, I guess email is just passe, but whatever. Would love it. Would love to hear it. But the, uh, but really kind of like the, the centralized hub for Lister uh, feedback seems to be the YouTube channel because we also, export the audio from our podcast and post it on YouTube. And that seems to be the spot where folks seem to uh, put their, their listener comments. So um, feel free and continue to do that. We've, we've cultivated uh, some really cool friendships there and uh, some really neat friends there. So let's start with um, some listener feedback about uh, Megatron rising part one. Uh, We kick off as always with uh, with our best good friend, uh, Matthew Barbario. Um, he writes, a great episode as always, Mike Seibert and Michael Andrews. Hey, that's us. Oh. Uh, I think the, Me- the Megatron Rising episodes, especially part two, are two of the best of the series, though even better are coming. Wow, talk about secret foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was excited to get to these. I found myself relating to the discussion about not having a wa- watched a lot of Transformers series. Like Mike Seibert, there are many I haven't watched yet for various reasons. I haven't even finished Beast Wars yet, but only have a few episodes of it left. Um, and I started it over a year ago, exclamation point. And he wrote this comment three months ago. So I'm sure he's long, he's transitioned <laughs> to beast machines now. Right. So that yeah. he can, oh, yeah. he, he can, he can get caught up with like seasons four and five of uh two Mike's too furious, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, uh, calling that shot now. Um, yeah. I, I haven't seen any of the Unicron trilogy. I only just recently watched the Prime Wars trilogy, which I enjoyed more than I thought from reviews I've seen. I thought it was decent. Uh, so I guess I've committed some crimes against the fandom too, exclamation point. <laughs> I love the discomfort of the scene where Sari gets the key taken away. It's so well-written and acted that the tension just oozes right through the screen. I get why Optimus did it, but I also get the other bot side as well. It's a tough scene, but perfect storytelling and the animation and sound design of Megatron putting himself together was just perfection. Um, Couple that with the final shot focusing on Optimus's expression. And it was just a perfect setup for the craziness of part two and a prime pun intended uh, example of why this series is so great. Oh, and they are 100% called blast effects exclamation point that other term is just scrapped and needs to be fragged um lol that uh that in reference to the little uh blast effects uh little gummy little gummies little gummy explosions that come with uh uh that that come with figures um i i think uh uh mgo or mjo or whatever some popular youtuber reviewer person calls them blooshes i do not i don't Um, care for that 
I don't like that. I call them blast effects. So anyway, so that that's uh, that is from uh, your buddy Matthew Barbarino. Yeah, old Barbarino. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, I guess uh, peeling back the curtain a little bit. I really wanted Mike to bring this up front because I uh, I want a little like capture the the where we last left our heroes vibe. Get me back in the back in the vibe of what, where we left off in uh, Megatron Rising. Um, and that, and that did it. That was a, that was a great uh, reminder. I, you know, the, the tension he mentioned about sorry and the key, uh, which, which has been building all through season one of will they, it's sort of a, will they, won't they, but about this kind key. of, yeah. And, and then it finally uh, reaches crescendo and, and he's right. It's very well written in that way. Well, and it's fascinating too, kind of reflecting on season one as we go into season two, a lot of it is just build up, build up, build up, build up. And, and it, boils over finally uh and and satisfyingly in in the megatron rising uh two-parter yeah i was actually going to say at the top of the show and we were talking about uh you know how how different it is from season two and how so many people are build, waiting for season two it sort of has that like uh the netflix model of transformers animated season one ahead of its time was almost like a season zero Right. Mm. Like sort of, you know, you just have these few bots, the Decepticons aren't even in it, um, all this buildup. And then season two is just robots, 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 you know? Yeah. It's, it, you'll, you'll see it more as we go, of course, but uh, I totally agree with that sentiment. Well, and, and jumping ahead to our episode discussion, which I promise we will get to sometime yes. today, yes. but not yet. <laughs> um, but like, I, I've already seen flashes of that. Um, so I, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, couple more bits of, uh, feedback here. Uh, this from, uh, our new friend, the perfect pixel, uh, love the episode. I've been waiting to mention this until you had gotten here, but I love how coherent and sensible the pro progression of Megatron's plans are. It never feels like he's doing a quote unquote plot of the week. I think you see a clear arc of his plans leading to the finale. And that's well demonstrated in the difference between this episode and lost and found before uh, Megatron needed the other Decepticons to bring him the AllSpark itself. But now that he has his body, he can, uh, he can get by on just the key. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good take on it. And it's almost like he, uh, Megatron sort of learned that lesson early on. We, we see him, uh, you know, his overall plan is very clear and we see a couple little offshoots in there, right? Sound wave. Mm -hmm. You could almost call that like a, like a plot of the week, but it was really sort of just a, you know, a pinpoint in his long con goal. Um, so yeah, it, they, they, and they really use that sparingly. They don't, they don't make yeah. him sort of these goofy things, uh, one off like the old, 80s Megatron. Well, and he tries and fails. You know, it's like he, he and and he adapts Adapt. also. So yeah. so okay. it's it's like okay, well, famous lobster liberator Nino Sexton couldn't <laughs> get it done. So so maybe we can we'll switch tactics and try with this uh the sound wave instead. You know, yeah. so it's like he, he or like you know, we'll try it with the Dinobots. You know, so it's like yeah, it is kind of plot of the week. But but it's also like him just trying to figure it out, you know, have, having setbacks as the overall uh, arc is progressing, but always with the focus on I need a new body. I want the all spark. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very it's a very uh, Tony Stark, uh, Mark 24 type of uh, approach to to planning it out. <laughs> 
Uh, this uh, this from Abbers. Uh, so happy you finally got to review this episode, exclamation point. Uh, the conference room setup definitely sounds like a great environment to watch the episodes in. So much of this episode was burned into my brain as a kid, and I'm so happy that after watching it again, it still holds up so well. Three exclamation points. Hope you're ready for part two of the season finale, Mike Seibert. You're in for a treat. I can confirm it was a treat. Got his face blasted off by action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I, I still get a charge whenever I think of Decepticons transform and rise up. It's just like, I'm like, yeah. that is a thing that happened. It's like, I, you know, still like disproportionately buzzy about it to where I'm just like, I'm like evangelical about it. It's like, it's like, do you have a moment to hear about uh, tra <laughs> Decepticons transform and rise up? <laughs> it's like, no, see, because it works on so many different levels and blah. I, I had, I had conversations like that at a TFCon in Orlando back in the fall. Yeah. And, and I'm like, so I'm like, you know, at the bar with like, I'm like, and it's like, oh, you're just watching. I'm like, yeah. And we just got to Megatron. Do you know what he says? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike, let go of my wrist. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm, I'm just doing like sunbow wrist grabs and yeah, <laughs> poolside. <laughs> Bring it up on my phone. I'm like, we're going to watch this right now. <laughs> Transform and rise up. And it's like, yes, yes, we get it. We get it. <laughs> Um, the, the second paragraph of this comment from Abbers also super happy that you like the Optimus figure that's getting released. I saw leaks on Instagram and immediately wondered if this was finally going to get Mike Seibert's ideal Optimus Prime with the axe. Can't wait for you to get your hands on that. More on that later. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, and the last comment we had on part one um is uh from uh kg who i think is a new fan of the show or at least was three uh three months ago uh first time i caught an episode on release exclamation point i like how i set these up and then the the answer is in the text as i read I know, it every time every time uh yeah uh so kg writes uh first time i caught an episode on release um i'm honestly so excited you guys finally reached the season one finale and can only say that i can't wait to see how mike reacts going forward me too thank you for the comment yeah yeah this is good we've we've established megatron is back or at least he was and could be again um another couple plot points we got isaac sumdak he's missing um to the rest of the world but he's with megatron mm -hmm. you know uh sorry got some ominous news and the Decepticons are seemingly disbanded and allspark is fragged so this is the world we're living in uh but in these megatron rising yeah, it it really kind of sets things up for a uh, tonal shift. Um, so uh, uh, Megatron Rising Part 2 had a couple comments I wanted to read. This from Bill Hasn't Been Real. Uh, they write, uh, excellent episode, guys, exclamation point. You're going back... Your going back through this series has reignited my love for Transformers. A little sad that you'll be on hiatus, but very glad to hear it will be continuing. Just know I'll be very excited when you return, exclamation point. So you could be excited now. Um, yes. <laughs> anim animated has a special place in my heart, and I hope with people returning to it, your show will get more love. 
Me too. Thank you for we the comment. We also hope that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we shift uh, the mailbag. I, I looted around in the bottom of the mailbag, and I found another comment from uh, uh, Matthew Barbario. This was a great review, as always. It makes me sad that it will be a while before any new episodes come out, but I get it. Podcasting is definitely hard work. If y'all ever need any kind of help to take some of the weight off your shoulders, let me know. Um, I'd be happy to help if I can. In the interim, I definitely second a Dark of the Moon commentary. That's my second favorite Bay film, so I'd very much enjoy it. And yes, I'm definitely a Bayverse defender. I love those movies, flaws and all. I also unapologetically enjoyed the 1998 Godzilla movie, so I like the reference to it, Michael. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew continues. um, I too forgot about the secret foreshadowing about sorry in this episode. And it took me by surprise to see it. I thought it came in later too. I also know of another instance of transform and rise up, which was at the end of transformers prime season two, as the Decepticons attacked the Autobot base, it had quite the chill inducing delivery by Megatron in that scene. Yes. Um, I, I love the inclusion of the mail time from Blue's Clues in this episode, since I previously thought it would be a good fit in a previous episode. There are a uh, there are few songs I could still remember the words to from when I was really little, and that was one of them. Uh, see you again in the new year, Michael and Mike, uh, when you're back and more furious than ever. Yes. Oh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Love it. Love to hear it. So I guess we'll put it to the audience. Wh- which version of the mailbag song do you like better? Do you like the Blues Clues version or do you like the uh, the other one, the one I can't remember off the top of my head? Because right. um, both are bangers. Maybe I'll just alternate them. I don't know. And while um, we're at it, if you want to weigh in on the color of Mike's car, we can also, uh, well, we can entertain that if you'd like. <laughs> doesn't matter that car sold. Though I will say, though, so my 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 current car, my uh, my new uh, 2015 Honda Accord, it's it's blue, but like in certain lightings, it uh, it almost looks a little more indigo, like a like a kind of almost like a purplish uh, texture to it, which I really like. I think I think it looks pretty swish. I'm uh, is this your new like qualifier to colors? Like you don't like it if it's just a single color. You need to be able to see a different color be... at a different angle. <laughs> I think so. I love it. Um, And then uh, finally, the uh, last entry in the mailbag for uh, this session, uh, this uh, from new fan of the show, Ichabod Drift's Takeover. Uh, Wow, I wasn't expecting the shout out to our channel. So thank you so much, my guest. That's me. Uh, My uh, my friends and I at the PocketBot Collective have all been feeling a bit of that fatigue over the last few months, as evidenced by our sparse uploads of late. Uh, we feel you on taking a break for the holidays. Certainly looking forward to continuing this journey with you when you're ready, and I hope you uh, both have a great holiday season. I think I could say definitively we did. Thank you for the we comment. We did, yes. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I th- uh, again... I just wanted to give the best show possible. And I just, those are such a massively busy couple of months. I, I'm really glad we do. I'm really coming like that. We're coming back to this with a fresh face. Yeah. I, I feel refreshed and reinvigorated and I I'm glad that we took a break. I, I would imagine that going down the stretch, we'll probably end up following this kind of same cadence where it's like, we'll go through season two, take a break 
and then um and, and then kind of go from there and, and yeah. in fact it will probably end up shaking out to be kind of the same so maybe there'll be a return of the uh, uh of the michael andrews uncontrollable uh birthday live stream <laughs> in november and maybe, and maybe we maybe. do some <laughs> christmas stuff too i don't know i don't know but uh but no i i think i think this works really well and i think we're at a spot now where we're uh super excited to get into this because i i think sometimes with episode recap podcasts they get so into the grind of it that like I'm like like this was a suggestion you had Michael Anders it's like you know let it let it sit you know let it let it marinate let it um you know let 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 the flavors kind of soak in and kind of give folks an opportunity to go and get caught up so that it's not just like this never ending freight train that that you you can't get a ticket for so um, I'm I'm all for uh, in between season breaks. It's a uh, it's something new for me, so I'm 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 excited to uh, continue stretching my legs as a uh, content creator person. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it'll be our it'll be our little uh, rumspringa, but it will we'll call it a rumspringer for uh, Transformers purposes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be super dope if uh, Springer actually shows up, but he he doesn't. A anyway, okay. So, uh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> You can't be doing it. He's like, oh, no. Not oh, no. <laughs> Michael Andrews back to his old tricks of like, is this a secret <laughs> spoiler or am I just messing with Mike Seibert? I don't know. Um, uh, so I guess now at this point, let's uh, let's just get into the episode discussion. What do you say? Yeah, I, I think now is as good as time as any to jump right in. <laughs> yes, and, and we have achieved full podcast where there is an equivalent of an entire podcast episode of a preamble. And yes, now we are going to jump in. And now, finally, we are going to talk about uh, Transformers Animated Season 2, Episode 1, The Elite Guard, a.k.a. Episode 17, which is now our Episode 17 also. I've forgotten. Oh Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I, Mikey's iPhone just went across the room. Uh, he does not want to hear this legislation. No, he well, and and come to find out, our uh, our good friend TFG One Mike is just opposed to legislation of any kind, any oh, kind. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if he just favors a more uh, Thunderdome uh, form of government or <laughs> like I I I don't I don't entirely understand, but yes. For now, our episodes still uh, our episodes still match up. Uh, it's our episode seventeen. It's TFA episode seventeen. It is uh, season two, episode one, uh, the Elite Guard. And one of the things right off the bat is obviously this: the action picks up immediately where Megatron Rising uh, leaves off. It feels like no time has yeah. passed, and that's what kind of weirded me out too. Because did you know? Michael Andrews, that this episode aired on April 12th, 2008, two weeks after season one ended. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Megatron Rising Part 2 aired on April 5th, and The Elite Guard aired on April 12th, which I did not know because, again, I, I'm trying to stay as relatively fresh. Like, I didn't watch this episode for the first time until, like, like, you know, the, the Tuesday before we recorded on Sunday. That's really interesting. I guess when I, when I watched it again for this recording, uh, 
I just assumed it was sort of like a, a far from home, no way home situation where they just wanted to pick up right where they left off. But maybe it was a choice made because it was only going to be such a tight turnaround time between seasons. Yeah, it's like I I had no idea. I mean, could you imagine if you're watching like uh, Transformers G1 and you watch, you know, Heavy Metal War and then like the next week, it's the first episode of season two. I don't remember what the first episode of season two is of G1. But um, but anyway, yeah, it's just it, it's just it, it kind of threw me for a loop, like almost immediately. Um, so this uh, this episode is written by uh, Rich Fogel who has written some of uh, two of my favorite episodes of season one, uh, that being Total Meltdown and Lost and Found. And it looks like he has um, um, a couple other episodes uh, coming up. But I I feel like that this is kind of a, a successor to those, those two episodes because it is uh, kind of that dichotomy between being action-heavy but also kind of like... Uh, not exposition heavy that that's that's the wrong way of putting it but um uh what's what's your take michael andrews on on uh the the rich fogelness of uh, of this episode yeah well i mean uh spoilers i guess i'm surprised it didn't have meltdown in it but uh at the same, right <laughs> at the same time i think he was a great pick to to sort of jump in here because it is something that if you're not going to have uh marty eisenberg proper kicking off the season uh you need someone, you need, you know, a seasoned writer to kind of jump in and pick up right where the action left off. Um, this isn't one of those one-off episodes where you can just hand it to any writer, give them a basic outline and, uh, you know, have your way with it. This needs to pick up right where uh, we left off, get everybody up to speed, a little bit of exposition. And you got to get the good Transformers animated exposition, the, the one that doesn't feel like exposition. It just gets you there. Uh, it's fast moving, fast paced. It's it's the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, I've called it, of of transformers uh it gets you right there where you need to be and what i what i like is it, it the shorthand of this series too because like when you open on the still very much destroyed sumdac tower you immediately know that you're that the action picks up right where yeah. uh where megatron rising uh part two i mean it feel it feels like a little bit of time has passed because like you have have this thing where the autobots are starting to do what they do best and like you know build bridges and uh yeah. and, you know repairing infrastructure but like yeah it, do, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a ton of time has no, passed it's very close they're still sifting through the rubble uh it's almost as if they're still standing there in shock from uh what has just transpired i mean you know it's very yeah early. yeah so we we catch up with the autobots and they're they're, they're being a cleanup crew and you could tell that they're they're still kind of shook by by what has happened like you know obviously cleaning up the the carnage but like there there's this um tension with the with the humans like uh you know like the like uh i think like a, a bit of like highway is messed up and uh there there's like a, a woman and and a child like stuck in traffic just just beep beep honking the horn and optimus mm -hmm. thinks he's gonna help and just picks up like this chunk of road and it's interesting in this moment of tension where like suddenly like in my notes i wrote karen alert but like <laughs> the, that that 
that shifts immediately where it goes from like, you know, can I speak to your manager to like, oh no, I'm suddenly terrified. And to yeah. the point where the site of Optimus Prime with a huge chunk of concrete hefted over his head is fear inducing is that that really kind of uh, also sets the tone for what this motion of the story is because like as as we had said in season one and the thing that that's fascinating to me about the 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 tfa autobots is their their first responders and their superheroes so it's like you know so those are kind of like new takes that that i was really vibing with and what happens when those heroic figures are now seen as terrifying and this this lady hightails it out of there with the with the quickness and optimus kind of has this wariness about him so the autobots are are kind of kind of a little downtrodden and kind of defeated and this uh this this comment from bulkhead just just cuts right to it well, i liked it better when we were heroes and and that says it all right there about their attitude about where they are in the in this particular uh, motion. And Optimus comes back and says that we're still heroes, Bulkhead. We just have to remind them. Right, right. Yeah, it, it it's a really you know you you almost forget because there was such a natural uh, climax to season one of Megatron coming back in in this battle, but it's it was also such a great uh, turning point for a proper sequel to to sort of have our heroes become something different. Um, you know they've stro they've strove striven whatever you want to say to to the point of hero, and now um, now they're sort of reverted back to well, not even reverted back. They were sort of heroes from from the get go last time. Now people are actively afraid of them. Um, I, I guess I'm just thinking it from a writing standpoint of like how smart it was to to take you know the natural climax of season one, but make it this total uh, uh, change point for for how we feel see our characters. It's really smart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so Ratchet notes that there is there is a member of the team that's missing from uh, from cleanup duty. And uh, where where is Bumblebee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy always trying to get out of work. Uh, some things never change while everything else is. Yeah, so he's he's taken up uh, a new role as a secretary for uh, for some deck systems. Um, he's uh, he's rolling around the office with uh, uh, endless endless phone calls. Like I don't know who is endlessly calling some deck systems. Where it's like, and I don't know how many phone lines they actually have, or if B is just talking to the same person. Isaac Sumdax office, please hold. Isaac Sumdax office, please hold. Like he's just like uh <laughs> right. unengaging, re-engaging, unengaging, re-engaging the 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 same line. Yeah. Like, you know, at, at the uh, uh radio station I work at, I I have 10 lines on uh on on my phone. So 
I, I, I've been in a situation like that, especially when we're doing like a caller 10 contest or something. It's like, it's like, Hey, yeah. uh, some DAC systems, you're calling number one, some DAC systems, you're calling number two. <laughs> um, you know, you know. <laughs> well, as a, as a big fan of uh, Jerry Maguire, it was kind of nice to see that scene uh, sort of played out the, the massive uh, phone calling. And he's, you know, he's got sort of, it's built in, but he's sort of got his hand to the headset uh, to sort yep. of field all these calls. I really yeah, like actual it. Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um and, and and this is where i think the the break with reality kind of starts to happen a little bit like i i think even though transformers animated takes place in the far-flung future of 2157 in new detroit i when you see sorry sumdak sitting behind the desk running her dad's company that's to me, like, I, again, I, I'm incredibly reluctant to criticize or say anything bad about the show because I've, I've enjoyed it uh, quite a lot. And one of my delights is in seeing how adult and written up it is. Um, this is some Disney Channel shit with, with like, you know, the, the eight-year-old CEO. I don't, it, it, it kind of bugged me. And as hmm. we go through the motion of this plot of uh, early on in the season, it, it it starts to irk me more. But like, so we catch up with Sari and she's, um, you know, kind of swamped with trying to uh, the dual task of trying to find her missing father who is missing. He is a missing person. And bizarrely, she seems to be the only one concerned about it, which is odd. Well, I think, uh, you know, I was going to say on that note that uh, this probably would have been weird to me uh, if I hadn't watched this episode. Uh, after watching Godzilla minus one, th this sort of idea of, of a destroyed city people just kind of piecing together what they can, some semblance of, of, you know, the hierarchy of how things used to be. Um, this actually made a little more sense in that context. I think I, I saw it as sort of sorry coming into the office to try to find her dad and, and just getting kind of bombarded with calls and just, you know, doesn't know what else to do except field the calls, uh, try to paste her father's business back together. At the same time, she knows that this Dick Porter C. Powell trying to take it and, and and so to your point of like no one seems to care uh i think a lot of people have been gunning for this top spot and this is just a, a time to grab power um oh. i think sorry knows that deep down and i think powell knows that deep down and i think uh you know she she is the only one that's making it a hunt for her dad a priority let me ask you this how much time has passed do you think because that 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 really that gets me to recontextualize my my take on it because like you you unlocked a good few things that I hadn't quite considered. I assumed that like some time has passed, but like not a lot. Maybe maybe a week tops. Oh, I would say not even maybe hours, minutes. Yeah, see and and now that having that context makes me look at things very differently because I thought that we're catching up with like a average day with the Autobots. Like, you know, the Autobots go and work on trying to fix the roads 
and Bumblebee and Sari go to the office and Sari has been uh, trying to be baby CEO for some kind of short extended period. Like let's call it a week or something like that. That's, that's, that's the plot of a Disney channel uh, yeah. type. Of oh thing. yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of how I read it, especially with as zany of it as uh, Bumblebee trying to answer the calls. Uh, but then also how, uh, Sari's reaction to like, well, no wonder my dad acted so crazy. <sighs> Hold my calls. I need a break. Okay, boss lady. You know that kind of thing. Like that—that—that's—that's that's a Disney Channel line. Sure. You know, hold my calls. I need a break. Sure. But I would but argue I it's think... also a Cartoon Network line, which is what we're originally watching this series on. So it is—it hey, is, oh. is for children at the end of the day. Let's not forget. Um, there you go. Well, but but the thing in this podcast we've tried to do is really avoid kind of being brush off. Dis- ah, it's a kid show. It's a kid show. Sure. But, but you're but you're right though that that is important. And maybe in this moment, I kind of neglected that a bit because like it is so emotionally intelligent uh you know and more mature than just being just a kid show like you know we kind of use that like dismissively right well and i i just i think too to your point of like how much time has passed here i didn't realize you thought it was a week later i was thinking yeah minutes later uh that that definitely changes the context of the show yeah, that's interesting. But but she does say here. This company's name is still Sumdak. So until I find my dad, I'm staying right here. And there's nothing you can do about it. I think that's a pretty cool point to leave that on. Um, I also like the reference that that Bumblebee calls her boss lady. I mean, because I mean, again, we're, yeah. we're taking the, the, the naming convention of boss, you know, that, that goes all the way back to Beast Wars. Um, right, that, right. that kind of thing. So it's like, I, I like that that's kind of, um, uh, I like that that's boss, bot, boss, monkey, boss lady. Yeah, it all fits. So the proceedings are interrupted by a shooting star slash comet slash, uh, invaders from another planet, which again, now, now I am, I, man, my, uh, my world is rocked by this <laughs> taking place immediately after Megatron rising. Cause like, think about this. So, so like the Decepticons have just been freshly defeated. And now here comes this, uh, th- this, this foreign spaceship, which folks seem to be having varying degrees of concern. It's like, uh, well, did you see that? Uh, it's kind of hard to miss, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But we do get a uh, a classic Optimus Transforming rollout, which I am always a a <laughs> fan of. Transforming rollout. And I totally forgot to mention this earlier. Like um, the thing that, like, I mean, it's it's really a thing that, like, you have to study the animation or not study it, but pay attention to it. The thing that I like about this version of Optimus Prime's truck mode is that he can take on a variety of different trailers. Like we see him uh, in the opening segment there where he's got basically like, like a dump truck trailer where like, you know, Ratchet is like, you know, using his uh, uh, magnet powers to like, you know, drop hunks of rubble and stuff in there, which which I thought was uh, uh, pretty cool. Well, and it's actually really cool because that's where we first see them in in, uh, season one, right? Them just sort of being like the construction crew bots. It was a really nice way to get them back visually into that uh, element. 
Um, so yeah, so the uh, was it the the Autobots are chasing whatever this uh, th- this falling object yeah. is. Yeah, they race they race to the heart of the city. Uh, and and I really love this spot because we get a little jurisdiction game with Fan Zone, right? The classic. Oh yeah, the classic whose crime scene is this sort of thing. And and Fan Zone admittedly gets in some good jabs. He's like he you know he's like why should I let you through so you can wreck the other half of the city. I mean, mm-hmm. stick it to him. I'm 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 team human at this point a little bit. Uh, that that was a biggie. Yeah, he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not again. Right. You know, you know that that kind of thing. So you can you can already see that the trust is strained between the Autobots and the humans. And and to your point from earlier, that that is a really cool spot to start off a brand new season. Um, cause yeah, I mean, imagine in any other continuity where it's like, you know, I, again, I keep going back to G1, but in season two, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, the Autobots are welcomed and all that. So to kind of take that and flip it to where, I mean, they're, they're, they're not quite Transformers renegades at this point, uh, but, <laughs> right. but, but they, but they are kind of on the outs and not necessarily in this, uh, higher esteem as they were just a just a couple episodes ago yeah so they follow this shooting star to the heart of the city uh uh trade some blows with fan zone and then that what it turns out to be a ship actually uh an an arc even or or at least like a blue version of the ship that they landed in which uh that you know now you know we're up to some shit here kind of though also because like you know i've uh you know for for my g1 score at the end of the episode i i'm i'm kind of trying to I've taught myself a new system. I'm trying to keep track of it as, as it goes. This is kind of like a exaggerated version of the transformers, the movie shuttle. Like it's like, oh. if you look at like kind of like the wings and thrusters on the back, but yeah. the thing that the, the design cue that really sealed it and, and the Autobot arc doesn't have this or, you know, the, the ship, the Autobots come in, it's uh it's kind of got like that fork split Millennium Falcon type of thing in in the front of it. Yeah. Um so there so there's a lot of design cue. Obviously it's blue and not orange, but um, but it this looks like a TFA version of the Autobot shuttles from from Transformers the movie, or at least for my eye. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a smart design too. I mean, A, it, it's got some nostalgia built in, but it also mm-hmm. um you know, it's taking what we know from this series as sort of a, a grunt ship, uh, a construction crew ship and and being like, oh, we can be way bigger. We can be way more regal. You know, it's kind of the difference between like the Royal Nabu starship versus, uh, you know, their their little jet fighter. The little N1s. Yeah. 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 You can see like design, uh, you know, between them, but the, the different monster. I would also say, too, that like for an audience, uh, first time viewer, I mean, obviously, I know that I mean, it's the ep- the episode is called the Elite Guard. I mean, so obviously I know who's going to come out of the ship. But for like a first time watcher, you can see that this kind of like shades of blue shuttle. And it's like you can have that same unease that the humans have. It's like, well, what is this? Is, is this more Decepticons? It, are these different aliens? Um, you know, what is this? Because it's not, it's decidedly a different hue than the shades of red and orange that that we've seen from the other Autobot ship. Right, 
Right. Well, and enough pleasure delaying on my part. I, I've been building up this moment because I, I love this. You know, you know, the hatch opens, the hatch opens, the steam comes out, and you see what is my favorite uh, Transformers insignia in in all of. Uh, maybe I have one that I like a little bit more, but 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 what? But what? Michael Andrews, tell me. He's not going to tell me, is he? Well, I, I guess we're just going to have to leave it right there for right now. Uh, you know how my dude Michael Andrews loves a good cliffhanger, but do not worry, my friends. You will not have to wait too long as the return of Two Mikes, Two Furious continues next week where we will finally meet the Elite Guard. But before I get out of here and on behalf of Michael Andrews also, I do want to thank you for all of your support of our show all of the kind words mean so much to us. Uh, you don't even know, uh, especially during our hiatus. It really makes us feel good and empowers us to want to do the best show possible. So please continue to spread the word and engage with us out on social media. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And stick around through the credits of this episode uh, of our zero episode of season two for some extra behind the scenes goodies as well. Well, so until next week for Transformers Animated Season 2, Episode 1, The Elite Guard, my name is Mike, and for my co-host, the Spark Soul brother himself, Michael Andrews, make good choices and eat some pizza. Or is that make good pizza choices? Huh. I wonder if I'm onto something. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, 2mikes2furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow 2mikes2furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 2mikes2furious. No, I was going to say, very quickly, I have to add a TV show to my watch list before I forget. I just saw it in the Tubi uh, <laughs> app. And I want to make, I have a little two watch list on my phone. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what, do, what do you use for your two watch list? Do you have like a like a Google Doc or? Uh, no, actually, it's just whatever the Samsung Notes app is oh, okay. on, on my phone. Um, I'll put it up here. And that it's on Tubi. The show oh, Haven, do you remember that show? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know if I remember anything about it. I think it might've been on the sci-fi channel originally, but it was like, uh, it's like an FBI agent. It's a little bit of like an FBI supernatural type thing, sort of like a fringe or a fringe meets supernatural. This FBI agent tracks this killer, um, to this town and then he dies. And then while she's there, all this weird stuff starts happening. So she kind of stays and tries to figure it out. That that's ringing some bells. It was always a two watch for me, but I didn't actually have cable. So I had to, uh, now I've been waiting patiently now for, you know, 10 years or so. (laughs) 
Well, uh, uh, speaking of uh, uh, weird deep dives, I um, I so I, I watched the the two episodes on Tubi uh, the first time through. But then I uh, re- had remembered from like a previous episode, we had talked about that uh, it's also on a Roku channel. Hmm. You know, the uh, um, the the same place I, where the Weird Al biopic movie is. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, so I was there. I was like, oh, they, they got they got TFA. That's sweet. So I um, for my second time through actually late last night. Um, I, I watched the episodes again, but this time I watched them on Roku channel and it's, it is an interesting bit of trade-off because I, I think the resolution is a little better. I don't know if it's like a true HD transfer or whatever. Mm. Um, I, I would have to see them side by side, but like usually my, uh, meter stick for, uh, for presentation clarity is the intro. Like on um on oh. Tubi, the the intro is really muddy looking. Yeah. Uh for, yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know if that's I, I've I've since come to realize that that's probably just how the intro is. Like, you know, it's always like this standard deaf kind of muddiness, but like yeah. you know, as, as from watching, YouTube, like someone's YouTube channel or something. <laughs> it it does kind of have like that digital artifact yeah. type of type of vibe to it. So I don't know if that's just deliberate or they just don't have a good transfer. I don't know. But regardless, um, it was uh, 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 the second episode, uh, Return of uh, Return of Headmaster, where I was like, "Oh, this intro is like super clean. It's like it's like the cleanest I've ever seen oh. uh, the intro look, just as sharp as the rest of the show, hmm. uh, which kind of threw me off." And I think um, so. In watching it that way, um, yeah, I watched it on my TV instead of my laptop, but like. Uh, the colors popped. There's kind of like a sharper clarity. So, like I said, I don't know if it's a true HD uh, transfer, but looked pretty damn good. Yeah. However, however, um, I, I, the, the, it, there, there's a couple. Uh, it, it's a rose and a thorn situation because um, none of the thumbnails match what the actual episode is. So, like for example, wow. I watched, I watched the Elite Guard. And mm-hmm. the thumbnail for it is Retgar. Oh. And like, and like, as I'm scrolling through, I see a bunch of like season one uh, uh, stills uh, for thumbnails for like season two, season three episodes. It's like, so it's, it's just random. It is all, uh, all over the place. It, it's all over the road. And as I discovered, I don't think all of the episodes are there. Um, and, and oh. they're cert and they're certainly not, um, well, no, I, I think they're in order, but they're not classified correctly. So when I watched, uh, mm. the elite guard and return of headmaster, they're all included in season one. Oh, and one like, of those deals. One of those yeah. deals. So yeah, it's, it's very, very odd. So we like stick to the two B, uh, numbering system. Thing, as I think our, so. As our source of truth, I guess. I I think so. I think so. Um, and I noticed there, that there, too on like Ghostbusters, Extreme Ghostbusters. I used to watch on Hulu, and I was so psyched because it was on there, and it's on a bunch of stuff now, but not mm-hmm. the complete series. And all of a sudden, it's just kind of like spiked around. You know, it's just like you know, it jumps from like episode thirteen to episode twenty-five, and then to twenty-eight. It's just what the yeah hell? for. For like no reason. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's odd. And I forget I forget which episode is missing, but there's like yeah, there there there's gaps in uh in TFA, like like in stuff we watched. I'm just like, well, well, where's this? You know, that 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 kind of weird thing. Yeah. Um I I on a, will on also- a side note, uh just to put a cap on that. Yeah, yeah. The Ghostbusters thing to me is weird because like what is it with Ghostbusters? You can't get the complete series. Like you can't watch it anywhere. You know, like it's not mm. complete anywhere. The only way you can watch the original Ghostbusters series cartoon is if you have this like hundred dollar box set from this one year they put it out, and then that's it. You can't you can't get the D- DVDs of like the last of the series or like all this stuff anymore. And then Extreme Ghostbusters is the same thing. It's streaming on a couple things, but it's incomplete. It's like is it just Ghostbusters or is that just like my white whale that I keep trying to finish the series? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting with like some of like these library catalog titles that just kind of like get thrown around uh, willy nilly. I, and I wonder if there are gaps for specific uh, rights and royalties clearances or maybe mm. like um, issues with talent involved like uh like the like the the uh, two two things i i bring up most commonly uh for like you know famously difficult to uh to stream and untangle the rights is uh wkrp in cincinnati like mm. they did like they like did like one pressing of dvds but like none of the music is in there um oh, yeah and it's not streaming anywhere because of the music clearance rights so it's it's got like rock music of the day in there and they're just playing it like as you know, either diegetic music or like it it's you know it's about a radio station. So yeah. it's like, you know, and and it's not always necessarily integral to the plot. It's just like a a presence. So when you're negotiating with bands and record labels and things like that, I'm sure back then there was like certain like broadcast conditions like yeah i mean back in the day you run something on tv and it runs once and that's it i I mean it's like it it was i mean television was always kind of like weirdly disposable so i i i don't think anybody anticipated uh home video uh to say to say nothing about contemporary streaming um so so WKRP in Cincinnati is famously streaming nowhere. Like like there's yeah. you know you can't get it. Um I mean there there's clips and uh bits of episodes uh on YouTube. Uh but yeah, it's um you got you got to plunk down for for an expensive uh DVD set um that is long since out of print. And even wow. then it it's incomplete. Um the other one I could think of off the top of my head is a uh, cold case, you know? Oh, right, uh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, speaking of Catherine <laughs> Norris, um, <laughs> uh, but no, it's like, so because that it's the same thing, it's, it's the music clearance rights. And, you know, the music is so integral to the texture of that show. Um, but yeah, it was like, it, you know, granted that's a more contemporary show, but it was the same thing. It's like, they probably had like, certain usage rights for a uh, television broadcast, but nothing about like, uh, you know, streaming. Like I, I, I remember when I got uh, th- 
now Paramount Plus, but then CBS All Access. And I'm like, I'm going to go through and watch Cold Case. I'm going to go through and watch Jag. Uh, yeah. No Cold Case. And like uh, half the episodes of Jag aren't up there. So it's yeah. like, yeah, streaming is weird. And I wonder if like the things with like, you know, uh, Ghostbusters or Extreme Ghostbusters uh, um, and maybe TFA to on, on certain things, maybe different streamers. I... I, I, I don't know how this works, but like maybe they have different bundles or deals or something like that, because I yeah. don't I don't I don't think a streamer buys extreme Ghostbusters a la carte that that probably comes in like a bundle with like, you know, a dozen other cartoons or something like that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You can't I'm get that sure. one on a DVD set that that's been a big bummer of my right. whole existence. <laughs> I loved I almost love extreme Ghostbusters more than the original ghostbusters mm. i mean i even you know, i'm sitting right here next to a oh. autographed copy of it actually. oh look at that because i love kylie i mean this is this is the comic series but they they added her to it she's a character from it and i was like all in all in that's awesome and the guy that wrote uh, it's from minnesota so <laughs> there you go yeah, there's love a transformers the... convention connection because he wrote the the beast Wars series that uh josh bircham drew oh very cool yeah same writer that's uh that's awesome. And it, it it reminds me, I forgot to uh bring this up a moment ago when we were talking about Ghostbusters. Um I'm not I'm not a student of Ghostbusters lore, but is like am I misremembering that like the real Ghostbusters cartoon went through like a couple iterations early on? Like, wasn't it kind of similar to like um, you know, you have like Batman the animated series, but then later you have like the new Batman adventures where it's like, you know, it yeah. it's the same show. They go in the same box set, but like I I just I I seem to remember some kind of like I, I don't know if it was like a a change in network or something like that, but it seemed um it was like maybe like when they added Slimer or something like that. It was like like the yeah. real Ghostbusters and Slimer. Or something. Yeah, well, Slimer Oops. and the real Ghostbusters was what it was rebranded oh, as. Uh, there it is. Shortly thereafter, and that included that was a little more like uh, Slimer and some kids were getting into some antics, and then the Ghostbusters would also be there. Like there was like Junior, almost like Junior Headmasters a little bit. Like there's like oh, Junior sure. Ghostbusters and, and Slimer. Um, it was pretty fun. Yeah. It sort of had like a a pup named Scooby Doo type feel. Like it was that sure. same sort of like funny, irreverent, but um, yeah, it, it was good. I just, and you can't get it. You can't get it complete anywhere. If I would have known that, I would have put some money towards that big firehouse. If you've ever seen it, it's like a DVD set that looks like the firehouse. It's about, you know, yay big. Oh. And it has all the discs in it. And it's the only place you could have got every episode. And it's just the cartoon? Yeah. Got it. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, like, wild. in a sense, it's like when you're describing the giant firehouse, I was like, oh, shoot, are we, like, throwing movies and shit in there, too? And, you know, <laughs> no, make it, like, no. well, because, like, like uh, plenty one of, of those the, plenty of different versions. So. <laughs> I'll bet. It's it, it's a real Transformers the it's, movie it's situation. Not, there. It is. It is my Transformers <laughs> the movie. I have, like, every yeah. every time I see a DVD copy of it or something, I'm like, yoink. Oh, that's awesome. It uh, uh I, I bring that up because... Um, one of the anniversary editions of Back to the Future included the cartoon. So it's like oh, you get yeah. you get the trilogy and the cartoon, which is arguably not very good, but eh, whatever. Right. right. Um, that that kind of thing. But it, it was interesting for like that one print run. I want to say maybe it was like the the 
30th anniversary, maybe the 35th, um, where it's like they, it, it was a, it, they called it like the complete collection or, or, yeah. or some such like that. I think that's the one that comes in a box that looks like the flex capacitor or something like that. Oh I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know that version. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was collecting the box sets, the volumes of Ghostbusters, the cartoon, and I just quit because they were very expensive to get a hold of and they aren't complete if you're buying them in singles. I mean, right. it's weird because they like put them out in the world. But that's what I mean. That box set, like they put them out in volumes, right? Volume one, volume mm-hmm. two, official releases. But for whatever reason, like volume like seven, eight, nine, right, is only in that box set. It's like they have the ability to print it. They made a packaged individual. They never put them out outside of that box set. Oh, that's weird. Great histories I, of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wonder if that's uh, sales driven. Maybe just like sales of the previous box sets where, you know, like it was like maybe like a steady decline or like a lag or something, something sure. where they didn't, couldn't justify the the cost or expense or whatever of of continuing that that uh, that print run that could be yeah, yeah. Mm, I, don't I didn't know. realize it bothered me so much until this conversation but i'm finding out a lot about myself I guess. <laughs> that that that's how we do baby we just dredge up dredge up that yes. existential dread it's so good <laughs> oh man it's it's a uh, it's good one quick throwback oh. too and then i'm gonna let you finish your thoughts sorry but i was just looking up i found this interesting um haven that series i started talking about uh, did air on sci-fi originally, but it's based on a Stephen King novel called The Colorado Kid. Never knew that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, totally yeah, and, and, random. Huh. Well, and, and it's funny because, like, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm a huge King fan. I mean, no. I'm. I I'm I'm as I'm as much a fan of Stephen King as the greater pop culture is. You know, it's like yeah. I. I mean, icon status assured and all of that other stuff. But like, I mean, I I remember when I was younger thinking I could take on some of those books. Like yeah. uh, like I have like a, a hardcover copy of the of the stand that still remains unfinished. And I've had that for almost 30 years. Um, that kind of yeah. thing. And it's just I, like it I feel the same way to be honest. I think people get nervous when they talk to someone who writes uh, because they think, God, they must love Stephen King and better not insult mm-hmm. Stephen King, but I'm not that guy. Like just, um, I think his thing, I've been trying to put my finger on it for years. Cause I have heard a few yeah. Stephen King books. I have liked them, but I think it's like people know, people know that the book he wrote is good on paper, but mm-hmm. they don't enjoy reading it, but they're like, it's a good book. I don't like it, but I know I'm reading a good book right now. Like, does it make any sense? That that makes all the sense, actually, because the thing that I was going to counter with is that he does have terrific, iconic concepts. Like, yeah. you, you, you run down, like, the premise of every Stephen King book, and it's like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, on the whole, it could be a good book or a good story, which I think those could be two different things also. But I think for me where uh, where King's prose loses me is in the density. It's, uh, you know, when, when you're spending entire chapters on uh, just scene decoration, 
and not even necessarily like setting up mood or tension. It's literally describing a room. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, on one hand, I appreciate that that attention to vivid detail because I think me personally, like the way I talk and I tell stories, I I like to do a lot of that. It's like, oh yeah, and I was here and that, you know, and and throw yeah. in some sensory stuff. And I and I think that I mean, I'm gonna pretend I'm not talking to a writer for a sec, but like, you know, but I think like, you know, sensory touchstones are important. Like, mm -hmm. you know, how did the table feel? What did you smell? You know, th those kinds of things I think are yeah. uh, uh can be important that that um uh sticks with a reader. Like I, I remember in my uh um senior year in high school, um I was in like uh AP English and uh, we had like some kind of writing assignment. And I don't remember what it was, but I remember that like my uh writing partner talked about like going to the county fair and like it was it was all um sensory stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I remember being like disproportionately into it because he, he just had like a, um, he had like a, a reference. I don't remember what the sentence was, but it was like a reference to like the, um, the, the way the ribs tasted or something like that. It was just sure. something like, you know, the description of like the, the barbecue sauce and the smoky meat or something like that. It's like, however he phrased it, it crystallized in, uh, um, in my head. And I remember when we're doing like, you know, like peer to peer stuff, I remember like banging the table. I'm like that, that is the shit fucking <laughs> do that, yeah. do that. Because like, it was just like so vivid uh, when, when I read it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that stuff is important, but I think what also stuck with me about what that guy wrote that one time is that it was also brief it wasn't just like oh yeah and the sauce was lovingly drizzled on and you could see it like you know drizzling down the side of the <laughs> succulent riblets so much so yeah. that you could see the flecks of the black pepper in there as the meat began to sweat and fall off the bone it wasn't anything like that it was like it was like one sentence it's just like uh, it's like oh man sure love those ribs or, or right. some right. shit like that but yeah but it's like so but but that's I'm that's, terrible at sensory stuff. So I I I both love it and hate it, right? Like I wish I could do it. I appreciate it when it's done well. Uh I don't really do it. It's not really right. like my writing style to to uh get bedded down in that. Well, because yeah, it's it, it's you also want to like move the plot and have snappy dialogue and have, you know, character moments mm -hmm. and yeah, and and that's and that's where I'm going with uh, uh, with my thoughts about Stephen King is that like he does so much texture that it's like is anything actually happening? Right. So it's like you know there there's uh, as with anything there's there's always a balance. Yeah, I think it always needs to like have a purpose, and I and I think sometimes mm. Stephen King doesn't have a purpose, but sometimes he does. One of his right. earliest works. Uh, is Salem's Lot. And oh, sure. uh, that has whole chapters where he's describing an entire town at once, right? Mm -hmm. What's going on in everyone's apartment and everyone's house, but it's to gradually make the town appear smaller as it gets, you know, eaten 
basically by vampires and overrun. So it's Mm -hmm. shrinking and shrinking. So there's, so it becomes the ticking clock of the story, which is when it's really used well. But yeah, if you do it for every bedroom and every scene that you start, it starts to lose that. And I think he understood that like early on. And that's why Salem's lot is so great. And then he sort of like, it became his thing. And I got to paint this massive picture as I go for my 800th book of the year. Right, right. Not everything needs to be a overly descriptive tableau. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's okay to just uh, tell a good story. Right, right. And and I think, and I, I wonder also how much of that comes down to editing. You know, maybe after he's become Stephen King, maybe that maybe that's just part of his process where he just writes and writes and writes and at a certain point it all just stays in yeah uh maybe there's a a version of salem's lot that's twice as long that a younger stephen king was like yeah i wrote all this stuff but that could just be internal bible for me let's just throw all that out right i don't think that happens anymore and, and i'm not alleging that that happened like again i don't really know his process, but that seems like something like a younger person would do versus what a older veteran person would do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I look at the way that I edit podcasts because <laughs> it's like, I mean, th- there was, there was a, there was a time where I'm like, you know, just like super meticulous. Um, ironically enough, I still keep that level of uh, intricacy for, for two mics here, but like, um, uh, Mike Seibert radio stuff. It's like, oh, I did a a live stream with uh, uh, with my buddy Anthony Bercali, TFU info, owner operator, Madman, and all that other stuff. I'm like, we we recorded it, and I I chopped it in half and just put it up. I, I yeah. it did fuck all with it. Like in terms <laughs> right. of like, well, that's not true. I inserted some drops and things like that. But but in terms of like the meticulous editing that that I I would have done as a a uh, younger person. Um, yeah. You, you get to a certain point where it just maybe doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Well, and I kind of like sort of the actual, you know, organic conversation. Uh, when you, when you start to get too choppy with it, it's just very mm-hmm. unnatural, right? It's just like not a natural. I like one of my favorite things in my writing too, is like just how the conversation gets organically to the subject. I, I yeah. always talk with my literature. Uh, he's a literature professor. He's went to college with him, but I always talk about like building tension through like the things that the characters choose to say versus like what needs to be said. Like mm. I almost feel like that's a, that's like a fourth form of um, conflict, right? Just the you versus, you know, it's almost a you versus self, but it's more like two people opposing, but not speaking to each other. Yeah. Um, about about what they need to, but that happens in real life all the time. That's what makes it so interesting. It's like nobody mm-hmm. nobody cuts right to the chase. And that's what you can have a lot of fun with that, especially if you're writing a mystery. Right. Right. No, I I love that. That's uh that's awesome. Yeah, I'm ba- I'm back in writing mode, speaking of uh what we did on our winter vacations. Uh Hell <laughs> so yeah. I'm like I'm like a little I'm gonna be a little uh snobby probably about writing. More Hell yeah, no, I I love I I am here for it in a big bad way because it's funny. I was uh I was kind of imagining how maybe the cadence of the show was gonna go and we were gonna get like, you know, towards the end and stuff. I was gonna be uh bashful and say, Well, hey, you know, uh Michael Andrews, I, I you know, I, I I told you I don't ask often, but it's a it's a new season. There's probably new people jumping off board. 
maybe let's talk about your books and talk about your writing. But it yeah. seems like you're already ahead of me on that and are are kind of like in that mode, which I, I think is is a, a super, super rad. Yeah. 